1: Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation and enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Time and distance is no barrier to energy, and that means that no matter when you're listening, no matter how you found us, you're here for a reason, and I hope that something in the next hour lights you up and helps you move forward. When you know yourself, you are free. You have power. You have presence that radiates from deep within and that shines out confidently in the world. That's your light. Author and intuitive Sherry Dillard is here today. She knows that it takes courage to embrace your authentic self, that it takes courage to live life on your own terms. She's here to talk about her new book, Discover Your Authentic Self, and to share tools for the journey. Are you ready to meet her? Sherry Dillard has been a professional psychic, medium, and medical intuitive for more than 25 years. She's the author of many best-selling books, including Discover Your Psychic Type, You Are a Medium, and Develop Your Medical Intuition. And her newest book is Discover Your Authentic Self. Sherry holds a BS in psychology and an MDiv in New Thought Pastoral Counseling, and her writing's been featured in the Huffington Post, OM Times, Yahoo, She Writes, Watkins Review, and other international publications. You can find out lots more about Sherry and her work at www.SherryDillard.com. Sherry, welcome to Out of the Fog.
0: Hi, Karen. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Oh, my gosh. I love talking with you, and you. I'm glad that you're back on the show. Before we dive in, well, actually, this is connected to the book, and I think it's deeply connected to the book. But before we dive in here, I would love to kind of get some guidance, some wisdom from you. This is, we're recording this conversation just after the nightclub shooting in Orlando. And I know from the people who I talk to that, especially those of us who are empathic, those of us who are intuitive, are really feeling a surge in the energy, not just because of that shooting, but because of the political climate, because of violence all over the world, that no matter where we are, things are weird right now. And I'm wondering if you can share some wisdom with us for intuitives, for empaths, to try to keep it together, to not get kind of um, all stressed out and pulled out of shape in difficult times?
0: Yeah, great, great question. Um, Yeah, I, you know, it's kind of, um, you know, when you just take a step back and you just kind of hear what you just said, um, just all of the incredible amount of grief, that's tension, grief, uh, suffering, that's kind of, you know, kind of coming at us through all of these different convergence of events. And for people who are empathic, intuitive, sensitive, and and, and especially, um, you know, because people that have more of that sensitivity also tend to really um, want to help, want to heal. You want want to bring um, positivity to those who are suffering and understanding. So, it's really easy for people who are empathic and intuitive and sensitive to soak in the energy of these events. And, you know, energy is outside of time and space, so it doesn't matter if you're in Orlando or if you're in Washington State or, um, you know, even further away. It's still a vibration that's just, you know, kind of, cascading through us as a society and um, part of the reason why empaths are especially receptive to this is because of a desire to help and to heal and unconsciously and I talk about this in the book is a bit is that you know unconsciously um, because that desire can be so strong without recognizing that we're doing it we do tend to soak in a lot of that grief in an attempt to kind of help to heal and um, while it's a wonderful sentiment to want to do that there are ways that you can do that and still kind of be safe and also to radiate positive energy without really draining yourself um, And some of the ways that I suggest perhaps to do this is the biggest way I guess is to, and I had to learn this the hard way. In fact, I had to learn this through really being burnt out and really feeling pain of others. I mean, I'm sure you probably had that experience as an intuitive yourself where um, sometimes it's really hard not to. When you're working with someone who's been through so much grief, it's hard not to open your heart to them and at the same time as you do that, begin to really soak in that heaviness and that grief. And sometimes, especially for women, men too, but we have a sense that um, we have to, that that's a way to love. That, you know, the way that we love is we accept the emotional energy of others and we take that into our own heart. Because doing anything but that can kind of feel like we're not connecting. You know, we want to connect and uplift, and and that kind of puts us in a precarious situation. Um, but to get back to my story here is um, years and years ago, I was working with a woman who had lost her child um, through a drowning, and um, I felt the pain so acutely that um, it was kind of really overwhelming, and that was on top of my own kind of things I was going through in life and um, different things. And I kind of really felt like I couldn't keep doing the work I was doing because it was all too much. And I talked to a lot of people who feel the same way, that it's really hard to be present to the energy right now of the planet and um, not get kind of really dragged into a feeling of being overwhelmed and, um, you know, kind of grief stricken and even tired, you know, it can make us tired. It can affect us in physical, mental, and emotional ways. So through my own experience, one of the things I learned to do, and I I learned this really um, because my angels and guides were kind enough to help me out in this after, you know, pleading, help me. Um, but what I really suggest people do, one of the biggest things is to Realize that you're in much better service to others is if you, instead of receiving the energy of grief and pain, suffering, is if you become a channel of higher divine energy and imagine kind of your heart as a receptor or a kind of like a big television disc or something and what you do is you, you, you open that energy up to higher divine positive energy And you radiate that through your heart, through yourself, and then out into the world. Because what we tend to do as intuitive and empaths is the opposite. We tend to kind of receive what's in the environment and then try to heal it by moving it through our own heart. And, you know, while that can be a very loving thing to do with somebody, to receive their energy in that way, Um, It's kind of in the world we're living in, it it kind of isn't really a practical thing to be doing. And it's not, you know, the opposite of receiving divine energy and being a channel of putting it out there um, into the world. Is really kind of much better in terms of, um, you know, being able to... um, spread that vibration outward because people can receive it then and be healed from that. Now it sounds great in theory, but the funny thing is that we're so unconsciously tuned in to opening our hearts to the pain around us that sometimes shifting and receiving higher vibration energy, divine love can almost feel like we're not, um, I know we're closing off maybe, or we're not as available as we need to be. And I only bring this up because it's a very insidious, subtle feeling. It's not going to hit you over the head with, oh, I'm not loving, but it is there. And so I just want you to be aware of that so that if that comes up or you feel yourself resisting that, you can kind of shift and say, no, no, no. What I really need to do is receive divine love, receive higher vibration, And spread it out instead of being a receptor.
1: That's interesting, isn't it? Because there can be that, that kind of that cycle, born out of genuine pain, born out of genuine grief. But that cycle where we might ask ourselves, "Everyone else is devastated. Why aren't I devastated?" And then we kind of create that devastation, and then that creates a sort of a churn that is, I find, is energetically destructive. And yet when I'm connecting with people, I've got people emailing me going, this is so upsetting. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to open myself up to the souls of those who passed in case somebody needs help moving on? Am I supposed to be holding energy for like, what am I supposed to be doing? I agree with you, Sherry. I think what we are supposed to be doing and the wonderfully wise Dr. Michael Lennox said this, I think very well, when the, when the darkness becomes so apparent, our job in the world is to be Light and sometimes you're light by being a mirror instead of being a sponge,
0: right? Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or being you know, but, but you can also say being a sponge for divine love and compassion, yeah. too.
1: Um,
0: you know, because the, what I tell people too, is love like the angels love. Because let's imagine you're sitting in pain, heavy grief. And you ask for divine help. You ask for an angel. And, oh my gosh, here's an angel. And you look to this angel and you feel, oh, please help me. And the angel instead says, oh, I don't know. I feel really heavy with grief too. I feel your grief. That's kind of not what we really need. Right. you know. What we really need is that feeling of upliftment and that radiation of love that comes that really heals and uplifts us. So... It's about, um, you know, kind of, I I feel like it's a simple thing to remember. is love like the angels. Mm -hmm. Radiate love, because if we become a sponge for the grief, then all we really do is magnify the grief.
1: I know that this book is a... Mm, is a little bit of a departure for you because you're best known for your work as a psychic as a medium as a teacher of and trainer of intuitives and this book is different discover mm-hmm. your authentic self can you say a little bit about all the all the good stuff is in there about intuition and guides and all that right it's all in there but this is a different it's a different way and can you say a little bit about what really brought about different. this turn
0: yeah, I'm so glad I wrote this book. I had been wanting to write a book like this. And, um, you know, the funny thing is, is that my publisher brought it up to me. I um, I felt like it was such a gift when she brought that up. I felt like the divine was giving me this gift and saying, Sherry, go do what you really want to do. Because, you know, people, after the, my first book, Discover Your Psychic Type, which sold pretty well. Um, I kind of got, you know, I don't know, you know, that's what it seemed like I was doing and that's what people wanted. And so I started writing more and more about becoming, you know, better at um, psychic awareness and intuition and medium work and medical intuition. And I'm glad I did all that. But I really, there was something else. There's been something else in me that I've really been wanting to share and express. And as an intuitive, you kind of know, in fact, I had somebody write to me after reading the book and she said, um, she said, I love your book. She said, it's so different than when you give readings. When you give readings, you, um, you seem, what did she, I forget the word she used, but it was kind of like neutral or, um, but in the book, you're not, you're really, um, you know, putting it out there like you, you see it. And I like that so much better. She said, I wish you would do that in readings. And I thought about it, and I thought, you know, I'd love to do that, but really as an intuitive, what you really do, and I told her this, is I have to remain neutral because I'm just, the, I'm just giving you the information as best I can as the most true and source, pure source as I can get for you, whether it's through your angels or your guides or your higher self or divine presence. And so this book, I feel like was a way for me to express my own journey in, you know, kind of coming to my awareness as the psychic person, being sensitive in the world, being an empath, all of the ups and downs that we go through, all of the challenges we have. It's like, that's the other side of the story. You know, it's one thing to be intuitive, but there's a whole bunch of backstory about it, you know, and how to be in the world in that way. And so this book gave me that opportunity to say, yeah, develop all these skills. And this is, this is the guidebook to kind of get you to help you to retain your true spiritual soul self in this world in in kind of like the chaos that we're talking about. As
1: I look at the book and just getting the book and just like looking at the table of contents, to me, the image that came to me was a lot of little cobblestones on a path. And the structure of the book is really cool because it's all these little pieces carefully fitted together, as as I see it, to make a path. Can you say a little about why the book is structured the way it is, why you put it together this way?
0: Yeah, What I and that goes back to my own journey and watching other people, um, you know, kind of come to their, to their um, authentic self, that true soul self, is I wrote it in the way that, um, I, you know, I start by talking about how we have to kind of review and go backwards and look at some of our childhood influences, look at the um, beliefs that maybe we were brought up with. You know, for me... I had a lot of that I had to work through in order to really come into myself because I had a very religious family I grew up in, very academic. And um, so we, I began anyway with kind of reviewing some of that and then going through the different stages of kind of development and growth, and, and that including um, relationships, And, you know, kind of like I was saying, the day-to-day things we go into that we have to confront and then moving more into understanding ourselves through our power spirit animals, through our intuition, through our energy field, and then into our archetypal patterns and and, um, purpose here. So it kind of begins in, we could say, the lowest chakra, chakra first chakra, um, kind of the world that we kind of came into. And then it moves through into our higher energy. It's kind of like um, an onion peel, mm. um, you know, peeling away um, the skin until you get to the core of it.
1: Mm. So, what does it mean to live authentically? That's Nate and I, the producer, were talking off the air about how we sometimes don't understand ourselves, how we compartmentalize, yeah, how true. we. What does it mean to live authentically?
0: Well,. It's one of those things that, um, you know, you can't really pin it down. You know, it's funny, but almost saying something like I'm a mystery to myself is is pretty close to knowing your authentic self. You know, it seems like a paradox, but it's kind of true is that, you know, we're always changing. We're always shifting. There's always new aspects of us that emerge and maybe surprise us and, um, you know, some, some, things surface and we don't want to deal with them. We don't really want to think of ourselves that way. Or, um, you know, we can begin with our thoughts, knowing ourselves through our thoughts or through our emotions, how we feel about things. But then, like I said, we go deeper and deeper into that core self and we find that, you know, we're a mystery. We we are who we are almost just moment to moment. And it's becoming comfortable with being in that both known and unknown place, you know, where, yeah, I can identify right now how I feel. I can identify my thoughts and that's authentic for me, but I'm not really that either. I'm something else beyond that. It's almost, you know, continuously going beyond the known of who we are and allowing more of ourselves to surface, embracing that, accepting that for whatever it may be. And knowing that it's kind of almost, um, you know, like being on a raft in a very large ocean and just being completely present to that and enjoying the ride while you're there.
1: Mm. Well, and as you say that, it makes me just kind of realize that that living authentically or discovering your authentic self, living with your authentic self is more of a process not something you'd check off a lip list oh I yeah, discovered yes. my authentic self okay and now i've got to buy tomatoes and do these other things that i need <laughs> to do that it's a it is and so i'm maybe my next question is then does our does your authentic self change or are you talking about something that is unchangeable that's at the root of everything
0: yeah no that's a good question isn't it um that's a really good question you know i You know, and and the the other question along with that is, can we truly know that part of ourselves that is that ultimate truth, or is it an experience that is kind of beyond our ability to fully in the human self comprehend that? Mm. And I know that seems really existential, and so I'll go back to the practical of that, but... um, you know, I don't know. That's the funny thing. I wrote the book, and I, I really enjoyed it. And um, by the time I got done with the book, and I think I wrote about this in the kind of the very conclusion epilogue of it, is that I really describe it as kind of like the waves of the ocean where or the tides, where, you know, the tide comes in, and it's parts of ourselves that we maybe didn't know existed or we feel them and we embrace them and we become comfortable with that. And we begin to identify ourselves with that. And then as we do that, the tide goes out, those aspects of us pull out and then a new tide comes in and new aspects of ourselves come in and we have to embrace that part of ourselves, our feelings, our thoughts, things that we maybe haven't thought of ourselves in that way. And, and then at the core of that, though, there is that presence that's sustaining that um, we can, I think, only really truly know through our heart and through our intuition. And it's that presence that's always in, in the now that I think is ultimately the authentic self, but it has so many different expressions. You know, it's always, always evolving and changing,
1: I'm really struck by what you said. The mystic in me gets all tingly when you talk about that, that kind of standing between the known and the unknown. I believe that our our incarnated life here is kind of a paradox, that we're here to explore that. What is that between the known and the unknown about our limited physical bodies and our lifespan and our, all these things in the, in the physical world that are about limitations and the fact that we contain limitless, immortal, infinite Energy mm-hmm. And so to me, that interplay between the known and the unknown, that's that to me, that's the stuff of mysticism and exploration. And that's, wow, that's a journey that never ends. We never get to the bottom of that. Maybe all facets of the divine in us.
0: Yeah, I really think, I really think that's the authentic self is that it, well, and I think that that intersection of the known and unknown, the mystical and the human practical is where that authentic self is. It's right at that juncture where they meet, and we have to be present to that part of us that has to live in this world, that has to deal with the elections and the politics and the the grief and the loss and all of that. And it's learning how to be in that very present time with every... I mean, it's a big job we have here in this world, yeah. you know? Um, and to be present, to all of that, and there's that juncture there where I think we can only really do that and survive if we do let that deeper part of ourselves lead us, because that's limitless. And that's, you know, that's authentic. That's the real love. Mm-hmm. That's the never ending. And I'm imagining all those little stones fitting
1: together again on the path that, that is your book. Maybe we can only grasp that a little nugget at a time. Right. Yeah. Right? And that to me, that's where the intuition is, is in those in between spaces. That's where the healing is. That's mm-hmm. where right, that's where all this stuff lives in that deliciously, I don't know, chewy and nubbly in between place. Mm-hmm. Um that really that really can light it up. Now I know the clock's just about caught us. We got about maybe ninety seconds here before we go to break. What happens when we're not living authentically and how can we tell we're not? Because I bet there's a lot of ways.
0: There are a lot of ways. I'll try to say them quickly here. Um, we are not happy okay. people. <laughs> I'm not cutting you off. <laughs> no, you know, really, that's where addictions spring from, um, depression, anxiety, um, the heaviness in our physical body, the, the t- tiredness, is because it's, only our it's our authentic self that's flowing with vital life force, energy, and positivity, and the further on, on a conscious level that we separate from that, we can never truly separate, but our conscious selves can, the more those things are going to kind of swoop in mm. and um, just really make life difficult
1: you're listening to out of the fog and i'm talking with sherry dillard her newest book is discover your authentic self be you be free be happy and you can find out more about sherry and her work at www.sherrydillard.com when we come back we'll talk more about discovering your authentic self about how intuition is connected some about some purpose archetypes there's lots more ahead we'll be right back after this I'm home and I love it. I'm home where I belong. I'm home and I love it. I'm home where I belong. It's always nice to come home. But these days, many Americans are at risk of foreclosure and losing their homes. Fortunately, help is available. Making Home Affordable is a free program from the US government that has already helped over a million struggling homeowners, and we want to help you. I'm home. I'm home. And I love it. I'm home. I'm home. Find out now what your options are. Go to makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE. The sooner you act, the better chance we can help you. I'm home. I'm home. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Sassy.
0: This week's episode: Danger at the Old Well. Last one to the old well's a rotten egg. Haha! Ha, I win. Whoa! Ah! Sassy, Johnny fell down the well. I'm wet. What, Sassy? You know where Mr. Gunderson keeps his rope? Go get it, girl. What? You'd rather use this time to set people straight about shelter pet adoption? I'm cold! People shouldn't be afraid to adopt from a shelter? Because shelter pets are screened for sound health and temperament? I'm wet and cold! Sassy, what about Johnny? What? Let Johnny sit in the well until he learns to be more self-reliant? Sassy! what do you say?
1: Sassy is brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Remember, adopt. Come to the forest. It's a place not so far away. A place where you don't have to mow the lawn or babysit. I saw lizards and squirrels and bugs. Ladybugs, caterpillars. It's really cool, actually. A place where you don't have to make time for free time. Lots and lots of kinds of species here. Out here, you may even meet the mysterious creature known as the Other You, the Enchanted You. It's magic what flowers do. The Adventurous You. My favorite tree.
0: Yes, that one.
1: The Free to Be Me You. (laughs) Ask your parents to take you to this not so far away place. Come to the forest where the Other You lives. But first, stop by discovertheforest.org, a public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
0: And now back to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager
1: on Empower Radio, empowerradio.com. Welcome back to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Sherry Dillard. Her new book is Discover Your Authentic Self, Be You, be free, be happy. And you can find out more about Sherry and her work at com. And this one is worth spelling. So I'm going to go ahead and spell. It's S-H-E-R-R-I-E dillar dot www.SherryDillard.com And of course you can find all about me and all the things that I've got going on at com. I especially love getting your comments your feedback about the show you know you can email me and let me know about your journey to your authentic self what part does intuition play in that journey what part as you go back and look at your childhood or look at the influences in your life how has that affected your journey where are you on that journey, where are you in between the known and the unknown? You can always get me via email. My email address is Karen at karenhager dot com. And Sherry, before we went to the break, we were talking about some of the things that can prevent us from well, not maybe not prevent us. Some of the things that are signs that we are not living authentically, that there's that discomfort, that pain there. And it seems to me as I listen to you talk about addiction and depression, about heaviness in the physical body, that very often those things then become a reason that we don't live authentically because we're caught up in those things. Mm
0: -hmm. Very true. Yeah.
1: What are some of the ways if somebody is listening and they're feeling depression or anxiety or heaviness in the physical body, not connected with that vital life force, how can they start to lift some of that energy and really begin this journey of connection?
0: Well, part of it, it's, it's kind of, um, there's many, many, you know, different avenues and many different ways to heal and to come out of those things. I'll I'll speak to, um, part of that in terms of, you know, kind of what we're talking about with the authentic self. And that would be to perceive the events of your life as a message from your soul, from your spirit. And that when you are chronically feeling unhappy or um, depressed, anxious, um, things aren't going the way that, you know, they're, they're, they're difficult. Um, that very well can be a sign that you need to pay attention to and listen within and ask yourself, uh, you know, you can simply begin with asking yourself, what do I need to know? What, what is the message that I'm trying to give myself? What is this really about for me? And what can I do right now today in order to, um, shift this, to change this, because part of the thing about that I've really learned through writing this book and working with people through their own journeys, in my own, is that the authentic self is actually the strongest part of ourselves. And it doesn't always seem like that. Sometimes it seems like, um, you know, the things we go through on a human level um, can really defeat us. They're more powerful than we are, that we're the victim of whatever it is that's happening to us, and we have no choice. Um, We can't improve our health or, um, you know, finances are hard. Um, You know, we're not having, you know, we're in a relationship that's not bringing us joy. And so many other things, we can feel powerless in that. And so it's important to remember that... um, Within you, even though it may not seem that way, even though the conscious self may may feel very powerless, the more you open and listen, and and trust that there is a wise, very powerful being within you, and it's very personal. It's not an abstract, um, you know, voice that you know is just going to speak in lofty terms. It, terms. It can be a very practical voice that can tell you today what to do, how to move forward. And the more you listen to that and take baby steps with it, and one little thing at a time, the stronger that voice becomes, and the more it leads us out of whatever we are experiencing and helps us to transform. And, and therefore it transforms our experience also, you know, we get so caught up in trying to have to figure it all out and come up with the answers and, um, use our conscious mind to, you know, move us through whatever difficulty we're going through. And it's really important to remember that the most powerful part of us may not come to us through our thoughts in that way of trying to think it all out and make, you know, whatever it is we're feeling blocked with. It really is like what we were talking about a moment ago. It's that kind of unknown part of us that can really, that more soulful energy that can that is actually more powerful than anything that we're confronting and that can create real change in our lives and can transform our lives much more quickly than we can ever imagine it can happen. And in ways that we can't even quite imagine, but, it, but we're capable of that. Every single person is capable of listening to that and allowing that power to come through.
1: And it starts with that willingness, doesn't it? That invitation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've got to be willing to listen and we've got to be willing to, you know, one of the hardest parts too is being willing to not really know and to accept our powerlessness that it's funny because it's a paradox again, because I'm talking about the power that we have innately. But before we get to our power, we almost have to admit our powerlessness and our conscious self of trying to figure it all out and make everything right. Hmm. And then we can get into that truer power because that truer power escapes the thought and the mind. It's not part of the conscious self
1: and at least i've found in my own own experience that the more i try to control on my own spiritual journey the more <laughs> the more i think i've got it all now i'm going to make it exactly like this the farther off i am from um the kind of experience or expression or exploration that yeah. i'm looking for it is that's an it is an interesting paradox because of course we are also manifesting our paths we're creating consciously right we're powerful mm-hmm. beings who can direct our paths, and yet we also, unless we stop and go, I'm waiting, tell me, speak through me, show me, right. we can't tap into that power. I never thought of it that way before.
0: Yeah, it is kind of funny, but um, yeah. I mean, you know what I've started to do, too, and it's been working pretty well for me, is even though it's, <laughs> it scares the crap out of me, to be honest with you, is that... um when I fear something, I kind of, uh, I really, I really try to go for it and I really try to feel the fear and really, because it's funny because when I do that, what's, what's, what's weird is I really find myself almost pleading to, you know, the angels and to divine presence, you know, help me out here. I really need some help. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of a funny practice, but it's been really good, I mean, because things work out really great, but I almost have to, like, really find that place in me that's fearful um, and, and let myself feel that instead of backing away from it and trying to control it. Um, but so far, so good. Knock on wood again. You know, you can see that. You can hear that fear in me a little bit, but um, but Yeah. Sometimes we have to almost get backed against the wall in order to come to our senses and say, you know, I can't do this um, by myself. And, you know, really trigger and activate that power within us that, um, you know, a lot of times we circle around and we don't really um, engage with that part of ourselves.
1: There are some really great pieces in this book about um, working with guides, um, and I love the parts about the animal and the bird guides. Can you say a little bit about how, as we begin this journey, as we're in the journey of discovery, about how working with guides can help us move forward when we're afraid, for example, or help mm-hmm. us understand kind of the power that's underneath everything we do, whether we're feeling powerless or empowered?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, is that um, that's one of the wonderful things I find is that so much comes to our aid. You know, Um, just speaking about guides as power animals, um, that's been one of the best kind of, um, for me and also, you know, many of my clients tell me the same thing. It can be so incredibly meaningful. It can really help shift you um, in the way... Where, um, you know, you might be going through something, a difficulty, you have some stress in a relationship, you don't know which way to turn, you're afraid things aren't going to work out. You're, You're just like beside yourself with stress and worry and you're walking down the road or you're driving in your car or you're doing something or you're just sitting looking out the window and a little bird comes and sits on the windowsill and looks at you and You don't think too much of it and then the next day the same bird comes back or you see the same kind of bird in the same um, or an owl or something like that and you begin to, you know, at some point there's something goes off in you and you realize, wait a minute, there's something in this. Something's trying to give me a message Um, and it can help kind of activate that inner soul part of us that feels less alone and really can to give us some guidance about where to go, what to do, um, can help us. And there's animal guides like that. I also believe in pet guides. I believe that strangers can be guides. I talk about that in the book, Strangers as Messengers. And I talk about spirit guides, too, and angels. And a lot of times what spirit guides do, spirit guides are really good at this. I always think that they're kind of watching us and just laughing and laughing at the little situations they put us in to teach us, but they're really good at helping us to be at, you know, you could say either the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, <laughs> um, however you want to look at it, where we have to confront something, we have to learn something, and then also, again, if we're going through something, they can bring the right person to us that has a message right for us, and it they don't even know they're giving us the message, perhaps, but... Um, I'll give you a story about this. This is a good story is that um, I had a client tell me that she was struggling with um, leaving her alcoholic husband and this had been going on for years and years and years and she just couldn't figure out, I don't know what to do. And then she finally got the courage after a, a, you know, kind of horrific things going on in the marriage in the house to she rented an apartment she packed her things and she just said you know we're gonna at least separate i need need space well she got to the apartment and um she was just ready to go back home she felt guilty she felt she was doing the wrong thing she didn't you know she was just um you know just didn't know what to confuse she said that she was contemplating doing that and um She was walking into her apartment with some bags. There was a man doing some yard work. She stopped to talk to him about the flowers or something he was doing. And he was that kind of person that just started conversing, just started having a conversation with her. And out of nowhere, he said to her, you know, before I did this work, I had a family. I was an alcoholic, though. I drank. And my wife finally kicked me out. She had enough of me. He, she said, he said, um, it seemed like the worst thing that could ever happen. She kicked me out of the house. And he says, but you know what was the best thing that ever happened? Because if the, he, she hadn't done that, we hadn't. she hadn't left me, then I would have never gotten sober and I would have never found God and I would never be where I am today. So I bless her for doing that. And she felt like that was just, you know, a message from God for her that she was doing the right thing and that it really, I mean, it, it like changed her life when, mm. she, when he said that. And he had no idea that that, he never shared that she had just left her husband because he was an alcoholic. Um, but that's the kind of thing spirit guides, and it's the kind of thing that um, when we're living in that center of who we are, when we're really being authentic as she was at that time because she was really scared, which is authentic. If we're scared, we're scared. That's our authentic feeling. Um, and it's okay to feel those feelings. That's authentic. I mean, that's the thing is that's our authentic self too. Sometimes it's to be scared shitless, you know, and to be admit it. And it's also, but to be in that, whatever that is, to be in that energy is powerful. And to know that um, there's so much out there in the unknown that can come to our aid and to be able to be attentive and alert enough to see those signs. And that's why I put that a lot of that in the book, because as you go through the journey and become really, you really feel your feelings. You feel your fear. You feel, um, you know, whatever it is that you're desiring, uh, whatever it is you're moving through, and to know that you're kind of not alone in that, that your authentic self um, has that ability to draw that energy to you.
1: I'm just... As I just look into that encounter, as you share that story, that took not only the man being willing to listen to whatever voice whispered, tell her your story, or even she looks nice, let's talk to her for a minute, and it also had to do with her willingness to stop and hear him. You know that when we open up in that way, when we say, be present with me, speak through me, let me be light, open me up, let me listen to myself, it's the best intuitive connections I believe are two-sided, and her willingness to hear matched his willingness to speak, and right yep. there we've got something magic happening.
0: Yeah, I like that. That's very good.
1: There's a, a a big part of the book that I just I found really fascinating is about what you call purpose archetypes, and it's a really interesting way of looking at kind of I don't know, labels, ar- archetypes I guess, to, to kind of talk about our purpose and why we're here. Can you take a few minutes and, and sort of go into these? It's a really interesting way of looking at our journeys.
0: Yeah, you know, I put that in the book because it was so important for me in, in understanding who I was. It was so important. And I realized it's important for everybody because until I realized my gifts, until I knew And I'm not talking about a gift I knew. The only way I learned I had gifts is because others reflected it back to me. But before I realized the gifts I had, I didn't know myself like that. I thought, I mean, my self, you know, image was pretty low. I I really didn't honestly think I had much going for me at all. I mean, I I didn't do great in school. Um, I, I don't really have many talents. I'm not really good at a lot of stuff. I'm kind of moody and quiet, and I kind of felt like, you know, there's not that much about me, really. And then I started to develop more intuitively, and I really didn't think much about that. Um, But then people started to want to hear what I had to say. They wanted me to tell them what I got for them, you know, what I received. And that really changed my sense of self, because I realized, well, that's a really true part of me. That's like a core aspect of who I am. And so in the book, I included what I call gift archetypes, which is our purpose in life. And what that is, is that, you know, I I truly believe that we all have a divine gift within us, an archetypal gift. And I use the word archetypal, because it's a gift that is enacted out here on planet earth. It's something that from the beginning of time, um, you know, there have been teachers, there have been intuitives, there have been people who have, you know, wanted to understand, you know, how things work or invent things or um, um, be one of the archetypes is a patron who help others who serve others. Um, And so, I describe through an archetypal lens. I describe the different gifts that um, I believe. I think I have 17 of them, maybe more. I can't remember all of them right now. Healer, um, you know, shaman, things like that. But, but anyway, how they are expressed in our present time, and how understanding your gift, your divine gift is so integral to understanding who you really are. You're not just what shows up in terms of um, in this lifetime, in this body, in this economic climate. There's something that's really working to be expressed through you, and that's as much you as any part of you. In fact, it's probably more you because that's your connection to divine source. Um, I'll give you a, for instance, is that one of the archetypal gifts I call the misfit and the misfit is the person who um, doesn't fit in, you know, who, um, you know, I think I talk about a boy I remember in like my second or third grade class who bless his heart, he just didn't fit in. And I felt so much compassion for him. Um, you could tell he wanted to be like the other kids, he, but you know, he was one of those kids that just kind of got picked on for no reason and he had such a sweet heart, and, um, and I really felt for him. I had a lot of compassion, um, and I tried to be nice to him as best I could. But he was a misfit. He was, And he probably grew up to be, you know, his own person and individual. But I talk about the power in misfits, too. You know, most great teachers were misfits. You know, Jesus was a misfit, and... Um, you know, and I'm sure you know many other great teachers you know have there's something different there's something they're they're on a little bit of a different wavelength, and I wanted to put things like that in there because if you can identify with that, you need to understand the power of that too, because the misfit changes people because the truth is I don't remember a lot of kids from my second or third grade class, but I remember him, and I remember the compassion I felt, and I remember that that changed me because I really felt for someone else in a way I hadn't felt that deep before. And so he impacted my life in a tremendous way without prob, you know, and all the time him just feeling like probably, you know, how misfits feel like I'm just not, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm just not like the other kids, you know? Um, so I bring that one up because You know, archetypal gifts show up in so many different ways. They're not just what we look at in our society as, you know, the. I mean, actors and actresses are also an archetypal gift, but they're not necessarily, um, you know, what we think of as a job or... you know, something society views as acceptable and important. It can be all different kinds of ways that we're operating. And um, there's a gift in that. There's something really powerful at that core. And I just really want to help people identify within themselves what that may be for them.
1: And it's interesting to look at those and, and, and to imagine what if in me right now, no matter where I'm on my journey, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how it's going, What if in me right now were those kind of gifts? What if I hold in me the seeds of something more, something Mm -hmm. greater? And I, and I really like that because sometimes Sometimes there's an idea that if we're on the spiritual journey that something's gone terribly wrong and now we've got to go get the good thing, when Mm -hmm. at least as I see it and as I understand from reading your book, that journey to the authentic self is, as you said, peeling back the layers like peeling the onion, and you get to that place where you see your gifts and you see your worth and you see yourself authentically, even if that maybe isn't the prettiest thing that you ever saw, right? You see yourself as authentically as you are in the moment, and then mm-hmm. you work with that. And that, to me, that's a that's hugely powerful, Sherry.
0: Hugely. Hugely. Yeah.
1: Will you say a little bit, this is that time when I'd love for you to tell people what they can find when they go to www.SherryDillard.com. What can they find on their, on your website? How can they connect with you? I know that you teach everywhere, and you're writing, and there's sessions and there. Can you just let people know how they can find out more?
0: Yeah, please. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, yeah, please go to my website, um, like Karen said, www.sherrydiller.com, um, and sign up for my newsletter, because a lot of the classes and the talks that I do, um, I list them in the newsletter and then send that out. And I don't send out a lot of newsletters so I will not bombard you with them Um, but just if you're interested and I'm also um, getting some online class at least one going it's taking me a while because I kind of love to write and so I find myself like just wanting to write maybe not develop other things so much but I am kind of um, getting something like that together. And then if you're interested in a the session, um, there's uh, lots of information about the different sessions that I offer, and you can contact me.
1: That's wonderful. Is What's coming up if you like to write and you can't stop writing? Are we talking about another book?
0: <laughs> you know, that's funny. Um, I'm kind of disciplining myself to not write as much, believe it or not. Um, which seems funny, but like, because I, I feel like I got to do some other things too, uh, which I do do sessions every day. Um, but I have a, yeah, I have a book, another one coming out. I don't know. I don't think it's probably going to be out for another year, um, but it's about signs. It's a, I call it the living oracle. It's about how to read the signs and how to actually, what I call, cast the living oracle, which is um, some exercises and methods. To use the signs around you for daily guidance.
1: Oh, will you come back and talk about that?
0: Yeah, I'm real excited about that. Oh one.
1: my gosh, yes, please. Sherry, thank you so much for being on the program.
0: Oh, it's been wonderful, Karen. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You are very welcome. Thank you so much. That is Sherry Dillard. Her latest book is Discover Your Authentic Self, Be You. Be free, be happy. You can find out more about Sherry and her work at www.SherryDillard.com. Now listen, the W's are important. If you don't put in the W's, I don't know what happens to you. But for her website, the W's are important. So it's www.SherryDillard.com. And of course, I love to connect with you and hear your feedback. Email me, Karen, at KarenHager.com. Dot com, or you can also find out more about upcoming classes and events at karenhager.com. And if you believe, as I do, that when we put our conscious intention together that we can turn any tide, if you believe, as I do, that peace starts with a tiny shift, a little opening in our own hearts, a little, I guess, an, a willingness to say, speak through me, be with me, come in, let me be light. And you might want to check out Opening the Peaceful Heart, which is a free monthly guided meditation um, that I lead along with my partner, Kathy, and people from all over the world. We show up for 15 minutes of guided meditation once a month. That's free. There's nothing. There's no selling or strangeness with that. And you show up uh, once a month, that first Sunday of every month. That's 15 minutes. You can get more details. You can sign up at openpeacefulheart.com. You'll also see on that website a place where you can access recordings of past calls if you'd like a little sample to see what we're doing there. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.